boom, 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 music. <laughs> <laughs> EMG Radio episode number 30. This is Randy. And I'm Brian Atticus. And we're back with a uh, excellent show. We have a topic to talk about. We have a few songs to play. And we have Brian here again. Yo. Which is great. It's been a while since we had you on. Yeah, since summer 2012, right? Oh my god, really? That's crazy. It's <laughs> yeah, been that man. long. It's been that long. A year and a half, or almost two years, I think. Well, 2013 was a little light on episodes. Very light. On pretty much on everything. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, we didn't have much albums. I think one, right? One, two. We did two. Was it just two? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, two. Because the other one was, I think you released it in 2012, but... I wasn't able to join, I think, so that's why I don't know as much about it. I don't know. No, we had, most of the year we didn't have anything, and then we had the the Halloween, uh, the last Halloween Volume 2, and then uh, like oh, a, yeah. a month later I I just compiled those remixes and put that out. Yeah, that was a solid album, the, the Halloween one. Yeah. Dude, those, are, the Halloween ones are, the two that we've done, those are a couple of my favorite. Yeah, and the first one as well. I was listening to the first one, I think, a few weeks ago at work, and it's pretty good. So, yeah, since we're talking about compilation albums, we might as well talk about the new one, In the Works. In the Works. I didn't pretty much understand the concept. It's Everyone picks a color, right? And they all make a song out of the color, or theme, the colors are the themes. Yeah, the theme is just, the theme is color. Um, You pick a color... And then just make a song inspired by that color or a song that you think that color describes well or something like that. Uh, yeah, it's funny because in electronic music you can actually, I don't know, imagine colors with a few sounds. I don't know if uh, if it happens to you, but I can see, you know, imagine colors or something every time I hear a certain sin line or I don't know. Oh, yeah, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, for sure. Um, oh, especially with synths because you can create these awesome textures that can paint a color in your mind. Yeah, get, you they get a lot of images in your head. And people, it was an idea that was thrown around the group um, like a year ago at least. Um, really? Oh yeah, the it was just one of those ideas when somebody mentioned a compilation albums and we were like, well how about a themed one? When we threw around the color idea a little bit, nobody really picked up on it. And then mm-hmm. um, episode 28 just just a couple of weeks ago, I was talking to Daniel and brought it up, and he was into the idea, so I put it to the group, and this time people jumped on it. Yeah, I think it's it's pretty interesting, although I think we're going to run out of colors for, for everyone. Well, and, and that's what I was saying. I was saying, you know, you can get pretty creative with the naming of your color. Like, I want to say there's at least two or three reds already, but if you think about it, you got red, you got scarlet, you got... Crimson, um, those are... Yeah, yeah. And then you can just get descriptive, you know, deep red, anything like that. I think someone just took black, right? Yeah, some uh, somebody got black. That I was thinking about jumping on it, but I was like, no, I'll just let people start picking theirs first, and I'll worry about my color later. Um, I think... Who got it? I think Autonomy got black. Yeah. So I'm interested to see what people come up with based on that idea. It is kind of an abstract idea. Mm-hmm. And even if it's just somebody, like, just takes the the idea and then makes a track, and, you know, that's just kind of the whole thing is something to start off with. You know what? It, it could be kind of like an experimental album, really. Yeah. Uh, I mean, for everyone. Everyone just makes a, you know, a typical drony song. I don't know, because... 
that's what comes to mind if I hear a color album. I don't know. Yeah, I'm definitely interested to. I'm definitely interested in hearing what people what people come up with based on a color. You know, like some some people kind of make the ambient uh, more experimental music already, and then some people are more song based. I'm really interested to hear what the song based people like the yeah. more uh, typical pop rock structure songs. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm interested to hear what comes comes from them. Yeah. And uh, typical rock structure is still like present in experimental music as well. Not as much, but oh yeah, yeah, is used a lot. It's pretty much everywhere. It's kind of like the three act structure in the movies. You it, see it every time, man. Oh yeah, it helps. It helps, especially like yeah, you're right. It helps to have some type of structure. Um, it's easy to if you're doing kind of a free flowing song to get lost in the middle and not know where to go. Yeah, it, it's, and it's, it's, it gets boring sometimes as well to do, you know, the typical verse, chorus, verse kind of thing. Yeah. I think it's much funner to just go in there and <laughs> do it without a structure. So we don't have a release date set on that album, but, um, for the members, uh, we have a due date of the 30th, I believe, of this month, the end of this month. Yeah, get working, guys. Yep, get so, on that. I think that's... Oh, wait, we're early in the month. Yeah, we're still a pretty early. It was a one-month It was a one month thing. I posted it. Somebody was like, how when, How long do we have? And I was like, eh, how about a month? <laughs> and because you got to set a due date on these, and, or else it just kind of drags out. <laughs> yeah, it keeps going on and on and on. Mm-hmm. You don't put a deadline on it. Never get released. Yeah. <laughs> Which is why there hasn't been an original Control Destroy album yet. I need to, <laughs> I need to set a due date on my shit, man. Yeah, what happened with that, man? Uh, dude, don't, dude, don't worry. I'm having the same problem. <laughs> don't worry. It's it's but hard. Yeah. It's hard when you're accountable only really to yourself. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally, man. But um, but I think it's more about putting a deadline. I was just thinking about that. I'm like, wait. If it, if I don't put a deadline, I'll, I'll 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 just keep doing it and you know try to make it better, and I'll eventually won't release anything. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. It's 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 cool because you get to like make the songs better, way better. Like time is your best friend, but at the same time, it's your enemy. You know. Oh, it really is, and and that's exactly it. You almost need somebody to be there and be like, no, just stop. It's done. It's fine. <laughs> Yeah, just unless it's, let it go. If it can be yourself, you need someone else. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So how's that album going, man? Anyways, um, it's all it's all right. Uh, there's, I do have several tracks that I think are to a good point. Several, uh, I've got a few that are, I would say, are done and pretty much ready to go. Um, okay, I've got some ideas for some other tracks that I I just haven't I haven't moved on yet. Um, it's hard to like, especially like, cause I wanted to do Gorgasm was the name of the album and that's yeah. the one I'm still working on, but it's hard to like hold this concept for so long because eventually mm-hmm. you're like, I just kind of want to, I almost just want to yeah. do this other thing and, and yeah, like, you kind of change thing. the the style, you uh-huh. end up changing everything and you take another direction if you hold it for too long. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. It tends to happen a lot. Does that does that tend to happen to you with um, a drowning angel? I would assume it does. Yeah, man, I've been working on the first albums. Like I released the first EP, and believe me, it's it has taken a lot of direction. First, it was like a trip hop album. Now it's turning out to be a rock album, which is weird. But yeah, you can see the similarities in that. Yeah, even in the like. Even in a, a style, when you don't, when you, when you're free to explore more styles, it's awesome. That's the way I prefer it. And when yeah. I listen to music, I like, I like bands or projects that will do that. But that's also kind of another thing where it's like, you just wander around and you're kind of lost. You're like, okay, where do I go with this? Yeah, it's a double edged sword. I mean, you can find your identity, but if you, like you said, if you hold it for too long, you end up get bored of it and try to do something else. Uh huh. Especially with the songs, when you're like listening to them over and over again, it'll come a time that they won't do an effect on you and be like, oh, "I'm tired of this." Oh yeah, this song, this song's so old, yet like no one else has ever heard it. That, yeah, <laughs> that happens to me a lot. Yeah, 
I think that's the curse of the independent musician. I yeah. think. Right. Yeah, because we have other than you know us, we have nothing to push, put to push us to put something out. Yeah. Except, and us. I think it's harder when you're upcoming because I think you. I. I mean, I, I'm still trying to find my niche. I haven't found it. Uh, uh, I'm guessing other bands have the same problem, and other artists, you know, that are trying are still experimenting with their sound and trying to look for their, you know, niche, like they say. Mm-hmm. It's all about deadline. It really is. I need to. I need to set a deadline, and I need to stop sidetracking myself on certain things. You got other projects and stuff. I'm, I'm guessing. Well, yeah, kind of. Um, well, me and me and Drazen have been working a little bit on audio snuff, and that's okay. only that's only slow going because it's kind. It is a side project for both of us. I know he's got a lot of stuff going on, and I think he's got a lot of school stuff going on lately. Yeah. He hasn't been doing a whole lot of music work, which is fine. You got to take care of you got to take care of the shit in your life. You got to take care of first, you know, priorities and all mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. Indeed, man, totally. But the little bit of stuff we have put together, um, I really I like. It's way different for me. Okay, it's like a, it's like a, it's a kind of ambient, kind of a dark ambient thing. Um, and even with that, we're still kind of finding the style. You know, I don't want to. I tend to push it, I think, a little bit more, like, industrial, uh, okay. ambient. Yeah, put some little bit more edgy on it, uh-huh. edginess. But, okay. Which I like, and I want it there, but I don't want to push it all the way there, because I'm not sure how interested in that he is. And it is, okay. you know, still kind of a joint project. But there's that, but that really hasn't been taking up a lot of time. Um, it's mainly just getting into the creative flow. I've been doing the podcast thing, um... And that takes up a little bit of time, but really it's, I don't know. I think it was winter. Like, it's its starting to get nice here now, and I feel, I, I have been feeling the urge to put more material out. Yeah, it's, I can see it's a little bit more comfortable. I remember when the episodes used to be, like, weekly. I'm guessing that used to be deadly. Oh, that was, <laughs> that was pretty brutal. That used to take up, that took up all the time that I had to work on stuff. Um, I think it was just because I know it was starting out. It was like, yeah, podcast. Well, yeah, it's exciting, and you get you get amped up to do it, but then you go overboard in the reality of like how much time it takes. Yeah, it's pretty much when you're like pre-production on a project, and you're like very hyped, and when you like go to do it, you see the truth of it, and it's it's fun, but it's not as fun or easy as you imagine. It happens all the time. Yeah, and to keep the keep it going weekly, it kind of grinds you down. Um, I'm trying to make sure I I keep with the EMG radios twice a month now, every, every other week. Yeah, yeah. Last month kind of got messed up for that. Although I guess I guess I technically put two issue uh, two episodes out if you include the April Fool's Day episode. Yeah, <laughs> but um. Other than that, I, st- I I did start another podcast, so I have one other podcast a month. What? Well, you have another podcast? Cool, man. But that's just going to be monthly, so that won't be too bad. Okay. But so You I'm- should do, like, a film podcast as well and just nerd out on films. Oh, dude, I could, too. That'd be... Oh, man. <laughs> don't don't tempt me. I'll be back up to four. I'm at three podcasts a month now. If I do a film Holy one... Sweet. This isn't your only podcast? What's that? uh, EMG isn't the only podcast? No. I'm doing two episodes of EMG uh, Radio Month. And then I started this new one with um, with my friend Jesse and Melanie. Uh, It's like a comic book podcast. And that's just once a month. Oh, nice. You're going for like a Kevin Smith kind of thing. He does the the whole comic, uh, comic book thing. Yeah, kind of. It's just kind of, you know, it's the thing is like the shit the shit I'm into, I either want to create or I want to talk about. And that goes for for music and comic books and movies. But I've kind of yeah. backed off. I've kind of backed off the movies a little bit lately. It's a fun hobby watching movies and, you know, especially classic movies. Oh yeah. Uh, like I said, uh, uh, recently I saw Clockwork Orange, and have you seen that movie? Oh, yeah, yeah. 
You got I, you got to agree with me. That soundtrack is fucking epic. Yeah, it's awesome. It's been a long time since I've seen that movie, though. That soundtrack, I heard, uh, influenced pretty much the first electronic musicians movement back in the 70s. If it wasn't for that soundtrack, a few bands wouldn't be out there, like Kraftwerk and Cabaret Voltaire and a few others. Oh, yeah. And it was just bizarre, man. All the, the noises on it, and it, it blended well with the plot and stuff. Um, yeah, that brings us to our, 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 the, the topic. Our, oh yeah, we have a fo- topic today, guys. Our focus topic, yes. which is good. It's something I think we need is a little bit of direction. <laughs> like we were talking about with music, man. A it little, a it little. took us like 10 minutes to <laughs> get to the topic, but yeah, we're here. We're here. Yeah, before we jump into the main topic, gotta play some music. The first song I'm gonna play is by Space Disc Jockey, who, he's always awesome about getting us music to play. Yeah. This track is called Blue Gray. This is off the X-Ray Division. Um, With all the Space Disc Jockey stuff, go to spacediscjockey.com to find his stuff. Um, Also check out his his live streaming ambient music show. He performs ambient music live, and it streams it to YouTube and Google+. Plus. Which is pretty awesome. Um, he was doing that weekly. I think he took like a month off, and he's he, they just started back up with episode eight. So it's Hypercube, right? Hypercube, yeah, yeah. Hypercube, yeah, Hypercube, yeah. I I try to make sure to post links to the episode to those episodes every time he does one on uh, electronicmusiciansgroup.com. Um, it's pretty cool stuff. So I would definitely check that out. But otherwise, this is Blue Gray by Space Disc Jockey.
Alright, that was Blue Gray by Space Disc Jockey. Once again, check out more Space Disc Jockey at spacediscjockey.com. Alright, our feature topic, Brian. Um, you brought this up, and I thought this was a great idea. Um, you wanted to talk about electronic film scores in, you know... Uh, in the mainstream media, kind of, that are pretty much as, you know, stand out of the rest. Yeah, yeah. And you mentioned the Clockwork Orange score before. Yeah. Uh, one thing I might do, I can't promise I'll do this, but one thing I might do on the Mixcloud version of this podcast, okay. you, you can put song, you can put copyrighted songs on Mixcloud. They keep track of it and they pay royalties. Oh, so they don't come at you guns and exactly out your podcast. So I might cut clips of the scores in here too, just like as an example. Yeah, people can hear it's reference. Yeah, that's a pretty good idea. And then the regular podcast, um, I'll just cut those bits out because I don't want them to come at me. But the the mixed cloud version, we can do that. Okay. So, what are some of your other like? What are other ones that popped? That that pops out in your mind, man. Like I told you in the first, the Terminator movie. I was just watching the first one, and I realized how synthy the, you know, the soundtrack is, and it's the 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 theme song of it is pretty catchy. Oh yeah, I love the Terminator theme song, and that first Terminator, it's got that very eighties, eighties um, sci-fi action movie score going on. Yeah, it's funny because you don't see that, and I think that that that's kind of like a nos art. I mean, all the soundtracks today are like string-driven, uh, typical Batman, Dark Knight Rises soundtrack. You know, you don't see electronic soundtracks anymore as much. You know, but you know what's funny though? I think a lot of, I mean, maybe not the big huge movies, but a lot more movies, including the ones that are very string-driven and very orchestral. A lot of those yep. anymore are still being put together electronically. They may not be like synth driven, but um, okay. From what I understand, Hollywood Hollywood's kind of just because it's cheaper. They're kind of moving away from. Um, oh, okay. They're moving they're away to from the more meaty kind of. Yeah, kind of. Like, I mean, like they could pay, they could pay a composer to write the music, and then a whole orchestra to play it and to record it, or they could pay. Play, uh, pay a composer producer to write and sequence it. You know what I mean? Yeah, wait, wait, wait much more cheaper, man. Because taking out a budget to like imagine you're a producer and you have to take like a budget, a chunk, a lot of money just to record a soundtrack. Yeah, which is awesome for people who have that skill set. Skill set, but it, it yeah. it's kind of a bummer for for the orchestral people. You know what I mean? The orchestra yeah. people and symphonies, but um, these days there's uh, technology is pretty much taking a toll on everything. Yeah, it kind of is. It kind of is in respect to that for sure. I mean, yeah. I th- I think there's certain things you're not necessarily going to be able to accomplish without a live musician, but there's an awful lot you can anymore. Yeah, you can even play guitar on a keyboard now, and it sounds epic. I've seen. Uh, I mean, there's not a lot of software out there that lets you do that, but. There are a lot of that sound pretty good. Mm-hmm. I like that you mentioned like the Dark Knight score and all that. Um, one of my favorite scores recently that kind of takes specifically that '80s synth uh, movie score and meshes it with a kind of a the typical Dark Knight score. Yeah. Um, the the score for the animated film The Dark Knight Returns. Uh, I haven't seen that man, but I I saw his out, but I haven't seen it. It's, it's, it's like two-parter, or you can put it, or you can buy the, like, special deluxe edition, and it puts the movie, it's like a three-plus-hour-long movie, if you watch both parts. But, it's excellent. But that aside, um, it's based on a graphic novel from the 80s, so what the composer did is he kind of took that, like, 80s... 80s theme from it. Yeah, and especially the first half is a lot of this really awesome synth score... Um, just for you, I'll post you a link later at some point. All right. Um, cause there's some stuff in there I think you'll dig if, especially if you like, like the Terminator score and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but then, uh, as the movie goes, it kind of like the story becomes more epic. So he mixes in more of the strings and stuff like that. 
So it's kind of an interesting marriage of... So it's on like a synth, synth uh, pads and stuff? Just all pads? Yeah, like synthy pads, um, kind of the synth bass sounds like the boom, boom, like you would get in the older movies. And then it kind of will build up a little bit to uh, become more epic and add some strings and stuff in there. There's some pretty cool stuff there. You know who else uh, did an electronic soundtrack that I was amazed? It's not actually a movie, but uh, you know GTA Five, right? Uh huh. You heard the music, oh, like yeah. the actual soundtrack. Yeah, it's really, really, really electronic driven, man. Yeah, I like it, and that is another thing where it's not necessarily like retro, but it's almost got a little bit of a, like a throwback feel to it. It has a lot of throwback, man. Mm-hmm. Like the arts and all that stuff when you're still in the bank or. Even uh, Michael's theme is kind of like an 80s theme. It I mean, his character represents an 80s theme. I don't know. He, he reminds me of an 80s character for some reason. Oh, for sure. There's a lot of that that kind of pulled... Um, it seemed like they pulled inspiration from, like, 80s uh, crime movies and heist movies because heists are a big part of that game, you know? It's weird I didn't do that with Vice City. You know, since Vice City was the 80s game, actually based on the 80s, they... They didn't give in a soundtrack, actually. See, I don't remember much original music from Vice City. I remember, like, the radio soundtrack, but that was, of course, all, like, you know, uh, radio pop rock type stuff. Um, yeah. Like, hits and stuff. But I don't... It's been so long since I played that one, I don't remember the original score to Man, it at all. I'm a fan of 80s music. I mean, half of 80s pop music library, thanks to Vice City. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I thought that was the first time I heard Gary Newman. Oh, really? Cars is in there, yeah. Cars is great. In Cars. In Cars. In Cars. <laughs> have you ever heard the Fear Factory cover of that? Huh? The, uh, have you ever heard the Fear Factory cover of that? Fear Factory, that's a metal band, right? Yeah, yeah, they kind of have. Yeah, it. man, I heard the cover. They actually got Gary Newman to sing for it. In the video, and he appears in, like, in a car, right? Kind of like Back to the Future thing. I don't know. Yeah, it's dude, it's awesome. It's pretty solid for a cover, man. Pretty solid. Yeah, that song has been covered to death. It's very hard to find a good cover on it. I heard a lot of covers, and I've been there. That's true. That's one of those songs that kind of lends itself to, to people picking it up and being like, hey, I got to mention, like, some of the big classics for that are known for their synth scores, like Blade Runner. Oh yeah, Blade Runner. Like anytime oh. I hear, I hear a certain kind of synth music, even if it doesn't resemble the Blade Runner thing, that's what you put, go like Blade Runner. That's what it puts in my head. I'm like that, you know, that Blade Runner sound. Yeah, yeah. Which uh, I I haven't seen. Wait, Blade Runner is the movie that Sylvester Stallone starts on it, right? Mm-mm. Blade Runner is um. Harrison Ford, and it has to do with androids that look like humans and stuff like that. Oh, wait. Okay, okay. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, you should definitely check it out, man. I think you'd like it. It's it's classic. Oh, it's classic. Bring it on, man. It's now watch it. classic sci-fi. It's dark. Um, it has a great score. It, the visuals are insane in that movie. It's kind of like a film noir detective story, but set in okay. the future. And it's other movie that Arnold started. Uh, it's kind of fucked up. In my opinion, the movie is, uh, it's also in the future. What's that? And the effects are kind of sick. Um, what's it called? Total Recall. Oh, yeah, Total Recall, man. I think that song has a, right? I, I don't remember actually if it has an electronic soundtrack, but it did, I think it does. No, I think it does too. I think it does. I can almost, I can almost hear it. It's like on the, the tip of my ear. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. I'm going to have to hunt all these little clips down and put them in there. But Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Totally. And that's one from, like, early 90s. So we're hitting some 90s stuff there, but that movie's awesome. Yeah, I, I think in the early... It's still in the early early 90s in the movies. You can still hear, the uh, you know, throwbacks to the 80s. Like, the 90s didn't quite sound like the 90s until, like, maybe half. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And especially when they had, when they did any type of sci-fi thing, uh, a sci-fi movie specifically seemed to like, ever since like the 50s when all the big space movies and all that, uh, were popular, the synth score. Space Odyssey, you know, that. Yeah, synthesizers have been like the go-to for a sci-fi movie score. 
Yeah. Uh, I think Hitchcock used synthesizer and the birds. Oh, the birds, dude. All the bird sounds were, synthesi- were synthesized. All the weird, like... And they don't even always sound like birds, but they're just... No, they sound weird, actually. Crazy <laughs> sounds. But, yeah, he wanted these, like, weird artificial sounds for the bird noises. And, yeah, good call there. Yeah, and it's amazing because that, that, that movie doesn't, actually doesn't have a, sound, a soundtrack. It's just ambience. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. There's no actual score for it. It's it's. I mean, obviously it's not silent, but there's no actual score music. Nope, because I think drones are not even. I don't know. No, they, I just, think the last part, when they're going in the car, you can hear, I don't know, some wind sound, but that's about it. Yeah, wind and like a little bit of because at that point for whatever reason the the birds are all kind of being real still and a little bit of weird bird sounds and stuff, but that's it. And it uses yeah. that it uses the lack of score. Quite I bit. read somewhere that he saw the synthesizer back in the early twenties, but do synthesizers go that that far that far back? I don't. You know, right? I, sh- I should know, but I'm not sure if they did. I'm not sure if they did. It was. I think just... it was in the 30s or something. I read somewhere that he oh he saw the blah 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 synthesizer and he always wanted to use it. And when he came back to the birds, make the movie, the composer that composed the noise and whatever had it. It was like oh okay. That could be. I could see early synthesizers just being weird noises. You know what I mean? And that's or just being weird. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine a? Com- I mean, the computers back in the day were weird. Imagine a synthesizer. Even in the 70s when the first mode came out, it still looked kind of ugly. Yeah, and so strange with the patch cables and just the way you had to, you had to rig it to, to get the sounds. Yeah, and they were expensive as fuck as well, man. Mm-hmm. Thank God for the digital age, unless we, we wouldn't be here. That's no doubt, man. That's no doubt. Um, oh, and I hate, to, I hate to bring it up again because I always do, but the Doctor, the original Doctor Who theme... Okay. Dude, that was a big um, kind of a milestone for electronic music. How they put it together is they, they had some synths, but they recorded a bunch of tones and sounds to tape. And then okay. essentially the guy used it like a sampler. They would cut pieces of the tape and, and loop parts of the tape, and he tried to sync it up. And that's how he came up with, that's how the, the, theme? the original theme was put together, was essentially what we do now only analog Harder. style where he had to cut pieces of tape out and mix it up and then mix it all down by running all these recorders at the same time. Yeah. Uh, when actually work had to be done, like when you actually had to move a muscle mm-hmm. and do stuff. And, and, loop and if one of the samples was off, he had to like go through, recut the whole thing and re-record the whole thing to, to try to match it up again. Because they didn't even have multi-track recording at that time. Not like, I mean, like... That was in the 60s, right? Yeah. 60s, okay. Because that don't even... I'm not sure who come across that first to where you would lay down a track and then lay another track on top of it. Um, And the Beatles started doing... Like, they were the first big band to start releasing records that way. And you could kind of tell... You mean, uh, put a mix all together? Yeah, where they'd record the tracks individually and and then mix them down together. Before that, it had to be pretty much had to be recorded live. Yeah, I I remember when I first started taking sound, they started talking about that. And at first, they all you know, if it was a band, they all just get it, go into a room and play on one single mic. Mm-hmm. And then the guy mixing it had to mix all that thing together. I mean, I know we were talking about film scores and stuff, but since we got on the topic of like early um, kind of innovative electronic techniques, yeah, man. I would say I would say those super early noise synths, um, like the Doctor Who theme sampling and the Beatles with their multi-track stuff. Those are like milestones. Early, yeah. Like without that, we you know, and we can do all that so simply now. Like it's 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 all virtual. It's all software running on a machine. Yeah. I I I thought all that uh, the synth thing came from the seventies, but it. It actually goes way back. Which is pretty wild. I think, I don't think, they probably weren't as musically pleasant to listen to before that, you no. know what I mean? 
Yeah. But, um, yeah, that's crazy. I'm going to have to do some research and find out exactly, like, when the first machines that could be considered synths were created. It's kind Let's of say, yeah, 40s? I don't know. Here, I'll do a little search, a little search now. Uh, whatever, what other movie scores can, uh, Let's see. The social network, it's, I don't know, the most modern movie with a soundtrack. With, uh, electronic soundtrack. Yeah, you got the, the Trent Reznor stuff. Yeah. Um, let me think. There was... And it, and, and it came back, and it came to mind, because it actually won an award. And it's rare to, for electronic soundtracks to win awards. Like, it's all string. like I said, it's all strings and, you know, Dark Knight Rises type of soundtracks. Oh, here we go. The earliest synthesizers uh, used a variety of, let's see, uh, basically vacuum tubes and uh, electromechanical technologies. And, yeah, we're talking from the 1920s to the 1950s. So, yeah, as far back as the 1920s. um, Can you imagine a musician trying to do something with that back in the 20s? Oh, man, I don't... I bet they were just crazy, crazy sounds. Oh, they have a picture of this thing from uh, the, uh, what is it, the Tritonium from 1928, and it kind of, it's pretty wild looking. I'll put, I'll I'll have to post this in the show notes, but I'm looking at Wikipedia right now. I'll I'll post a link to the Wikipedia page on the show notes, but yeah, you're right, the 20s, I didn't think it was even that old, that's, that's insane. Yeah, like I said, I thought it was back in the 70s when all the electronic movements started to, you know, go to radio and stuff like Kraftwerk, um, the the soundtracks started emerging, but no, actually it goes back. Yeah, way before that. It kind of seems like the 1960s and 70s were the first synths that, like, really started to you know, that's when they started popping up in music because it seems like those, um, it's got a whole, a whole entry on that era specifically, but that seemed like the first, uh, or the second Renaissance wave of the synth or whatever. Yeah. At first it was pretty much related to, uh, rich musicians because of the cost and gifted talented because they mostly use the synthesizers for progressive rock bands. So it wasn't really synth, completely synth-driven until some other bands decided to start experimenting. Just with synths. Kraftwerk being that example. More recent synth scores. Um, have you seen... Let me see. Oh, the Tron sequel. Tron Legacy or something? Yeah, that's Daft Punk soundtrack, right? Daft Punk. I like that soundtrack. I was actually a little surprised that there was so as much um, orchestral elements as there were. Like they teamed him up with a composer, and it's. Not- I, I I haven't seen the movie, but I know this. I when it came out, I've heard people talking about the soundtrack. Oh, that song so cool, you know. Yeah, it wasn't bad, but like I said, I was a little surprised that there was so, as as much um, uh, symphonic work in there as there as 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 it had. Dude, I just remember, you know, uh, what other movie from the 80s has an electronic soundtrack? Hmm. Day of the Dead. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Day and Dawn, they both have cool uh, 80s soundtrack. Oh, yeah, I just watched Day of the Dead again not long ago. My girlfriend hadn't seen it, so I made her watch it, which it blew my mind she'd never seen it. But um, What? Yeah, I know. But, <laughs> but uh... Yeah, it does. It has a pretty good, uh, a pretty good um, synth score. It's very eighty sounding, like some of the riffs mm-hmm. just are. Yeah, have that very eighty sound. But I like the tone of the synths and stuff like that. It's mostly keyboards. It's not as much synth driven like Dawn. I think uh-huh. Dawn was more synth driven. Yeah, it had more like yeah pads and textures and stuff. Yeah, do you know when they're landing the helicopter? There's uh, like a sound. It's like a perk. Uh-huh. So, I don't know. I've been trying to look for that song, man. I haven't been able to find it. It sounds pretty cool. I think after that, we didn't see any more Romero movies with electronic. Oh, maybe it's just because of the time, since 
the thing was back in the day to do electronic soundtracks. Yeah. Yeah, particular, particularly at that time period. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go ahead and intro another track real quick uh, before we continue the conversation. Uh, the next up we have... I never know how to say this. Uh, it's F-U-L. Full? Fool? Full? Full. 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 In Spanish it would be like full, but in English I think yeah, full. Okay. Well, this is full uh, with Waking Sun. Enjoy. Waking Sun by Full. I'll have links in the show notes for that. So if you enjoy it, hit the website um, or wherever you got this this from, and you should be able to find a link to it. Yeah, check it out. Um. Oh, there's some other. I know there's. Oh, John Carpenter movies, man. We gotta mention John oh, Carpenter movies. Of course, John Carpenter, man. Um, yeah. I don't remember if the thing has an electronic. Does it? Uh, the thing, the thing's interesting because that one, um, they actually they had a composer that wasn't John Carpenter on there, but it is kind of it's. I think it's kind of a mesh of electronic because he's still like at that point the John Carpenter sound had kind of been established, so it still has that sound, um, but it also does have some strings and stuff in it. Oh, he he did compose the Halloween concept, uh, theme as well, right? Yeah, he did the Halloween theme. Um, I believe he did the. Uh, I think he did They Live. The theme for They Live. I haven't seen that movie. They I, I the only two movies I've seen from Carpenter are uh, The Thing and Halloween. I haven't seen the rest, man. Oh man. Okay. Well, those are both excellent movies. Those are two of my favorite movies of his. But you yeah, gotta, they're pretty much the cult classics. Uh huh. But you got to check out They Live. It's very eighties. It's got Roddy Piper in it. Um, but that movie's awesome. Is it the typical John Carpenter, low-budget, still-cool movie kind of? Yeah, yeah. I would definitely say so, for sure. Um, what else? There's also Escape from New York, which also has a, a pretty awesome a pretty yeah, awesome. Yeah, I, actually, I heard about the movie. Yeah. That one's definitely got, like you said earlier, the macho the macho. Yeah, that's what thing. I got it from. Yeah, uh, it's him going to New York because he needs to rescue someone, blah, 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 right? Mm-hmm. And his name is uh, Snake, right? Just like Metal Gear Snake. Snake. Yeah. <laughs> Snake. Snake. I can see where they got the reference. It's, it's, yeah, that, dude, that one's fun. That's a fun movie. Um, Prince of Darkness is also pretty cool. Uh, that one's got, that one's got an awesome synth score, and I believe that was all Carpenter. But yeah, basically, 
most all of his 70s and 80s stuff. He didn't do the score for all of them, but he did most of them. And the scores are pretty awesome, and the movies are almost always badass. So Yeah, and the Halloween theme is it's simple, but it, it's super cool, man. Yeah. The piano theme. I believe he said, like, that was... The the piano the piano portion was pretty much like uh, an exercise um, that he would do, or his dad taught him, or something for okay. for like five six time or some like kind of awkward time. It was essentially a piano exercise that he thought sounded cool, and so he turned it into the the Halloween theme. I could be a little wrong on the details, but that's what I read. It about seems it. about right. I mean, if he's like a skilled. I mean, someone skilled wouldn't go like, I mean, total, you know, with a certain uh, knowing on the piano wouldn't go like, oh, I'm just going to do this simply, you know. Uh-huh. He did it that way, and he did get the job done. Oh, yeah, and it's awesome. It's 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 kind of iconic score. Everybody knows it, even if they don't know exactly what it's from, which is sad they should, but everybody's heard yeah, it. Yeah, man, it's kind of like the cycle theme. You hear it everywhere, and you pretty much don't know where it comes from. At first, before seeing Psycho, I didn't know... I heard the theme, but I didn't know where you know where it came from. Um, Hitchcock always had good scores, but he worked with um, Bernard Her- Herman, and those are most definitely not electronic scores. Those are no, no, they're all very string driven. Yeah, the Psycho soundtrack is pretty cool. I know. As soon as we get done with this, there's going to be something that I was like, "Oh man, I should have mentioned this movie." Yeah. Oh, there's a movie called Hannah. Have you ever seen it? Uh, I heard about the movie, uh, I think, uh, this group, what is it called? Chemical Brothers did the soundtrack, right? That's it, yep, yep. I downloaded it, and it's pretty cool. Yeah, and that one's definitely, like, a very electronic score. Yeah, typical Chemical Chemical Brothers. Uh Uh-huh. It's pretty cool. Like, some of the, I I have the soundtrack as well, and some of the, some of the, uh, some of the tracks, I mean, they're not bad. They're short. They're, you know, just score tracks. But some of them I really like. That movie, the Tron movie, and then Social Network came out all pretty close to each other. So I was kind of getting getting excited. I was hoping there'd be another big wave of, like, electronic and synth score movies. But yeah. um, it hasn't necessarily gone that way. Nope. I think, like I said, since Inception came out, you know... A lot of movies uh, went with that direction in the musical department. And I'm glad you mentioned Inception because it's mostly strings and stuff, but there are little bit there are bits of electronic t- sound in there and some synthesizer sounds that I really like. But you're right, that became it's the um the big horns and the kind of droney strings kind of became, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. That kind of became the, the, the popular fad, especially since there's so much um, like superhero-y stuff going on. They like that kind of dark stuff with the superhero movies. Oh, I like that bit with the Inception with Inception where like the kind of the main theme. Okay, you know that song. You've seen Inception, right? Yeah, of course. That song they use as the kick. Ah, uh, the kick, the kick. Oh yeah, yeah. The, with, with, the, with the woman singing and all that, they kind of yeah. play that through. Yeah, like the main theme. If you take that song and slow it way down, they pretty much just base the main theme on that song slowed way, way down. Like, if you slow it down and listen to the notes, it's the same notes, which is really interesting. Is it really that same note over and over again? One note? No, no, it's like, um, what I mean is, uh, you got that song that they use as the kick with the woman singing. If you were to slow that song down and listen to the notes that way, um, they basically... It's almost like they covered, they used that song super slow, um, and to write, uh, they used the riff from that. Oh, okay. It's hard to explain. There's, um, there's some cool videos on, on YouTube that kind of, uh, break it down. I'll post those too. Okay. I'll, I'll hit links to that. I'll hit links to everything. Link it up. I'm going to link it up. Oop. Adjusting my microphone here. Um, hey, did the girl with the dragon tattoo have the kind of like this? I, I haven't heard the soundtrack, but did it have like an electronic direction? Or? Um, yes. I mean, it was it was Reznor and Atticus Ross still. Um, yeah. But there's still a lot of like 
acoustic type sounds, like a lot of like lower string sounds, um, okay, string instruments. But yeah, it did still have it still had um, a lot of droney stuff actually. Yeah, yeah, especially so, in uh, social network. Yeah, it was very similar to social network, except without the fast stuff because. It's a little bit darker and heavier of a movie, you know what I mean? Uh, mm-hmm. The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. So, a similar tone, but more of the slower slower uh, droney string pad type thing going on. Okay. If, if I, I remember I, right. It's been a little while since I listened to it. I gotta listen to it. I haven't... It, it's really long. It's like 40 tracks long. Yeah, yeah. It's like... It's a two CD thing for sure. Yeah, it's one hell of a trip. It's like listening to Ghost, but in a more detailed. Uh huh. It's very similar in a way. Ghosts is a little bit more erratic from track to track. You know what I mean? It like yeah. There's a lot more variation, variation, but it's it's kind of similar. Yeah, and it escalates. Like first CD, it's like ambient experimental, and it, I like it when you're like at, at track twenty, it's more rockyish, mm-hmm. noisy experimental. Yeah, I think a girl with dragon tattoo soundtrack is it's it's more cohesive. It's more con- consistent throughout the whole thing. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, let's see. Before we go on too long, how about how about we play the the last track today? What do you got? This is subliminal hit uh, with the track Skywalk. Uh, Sky Watchers, I gotta get that right. Sky Watchers by Subliminal Hit. Enjoy it.
All right, that was Skywatchers by Subliminal, Subliminal Hit. Listen to that at, um, he's probably on his Bandcamp, which is subliminal-hit.bandcamp.com, I believe. Um, I'll have, again, links in the show notes, because I try to link up everything we talk about. There are a lot more movies that we're leaving on. It's just that I don't, we don't remember. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there are a ton, and like I said, as soon as this is over, I'm going to think of a bunch where I'm like, how did we not mention that? Yeah. But it's probably better to to move on than to, like, just stumble looking for, for more tri- uh, film scores to mention. Yeah. But, uh, like I said, if, I think what I'll, if you're listening to this on Mixcloud, you'll hear little clips of some of this, some of the stuff we were talking about. If you're not listening to this on Mixcloud, I'm sorry, but I don't want to get sued. I think, you know, these days, they what they do is they tell you to, like, get, get it out of the podcast, but do they actually sue you? I don't know that they would actually sue me, and I don't think we have a big enough following that it'd be worth it to them, <laughs> you know? Can you imagine they go like, oh, we're going to sue you, like, like a big podcast or something? Yeah, like, it's, it's, it's not worth it to sue me, don't do it. No, don't. But yeah, I was looking that up today, um, because I talked to Daniel a little bit about it, but Mixcloud, yeah, you can, you can do, like, radio shows or mixes using actual songs, um, you've got to, like, and then it has this thing when you upload the song to list what song, or upload your, your track, um, to list all the songs in it, and they take care of the royalties, which is super awesome, like. Yeah, a lot of more websites should do that, and. Yeah, there's just, and nobody else is doing anything like that, you can't, you certainly can't do that on SoundCloud, and SoundCloud actually has been going around. SoundCloud is saving a lot of money on not giving us royalties, man. Yeah, yeah. They should, but they they aren't. That reminds me, speaking of, our goddamn EMG, uh, the Electronic Musicians Group YouTube videos keep getting uh, bogus flags for copyright infringement, and it's pissing me off. What? Why? Because YouTube use this, uses this automated uh, content ID system. Oh, so basically... That sucks. Yeah, it'll scan the videos and be like, this video matches this video. They must be infringing. So we got hit on that for on a couple of videos, and it's totally bogus. I guess it's been an issue since December of last year. Uh, they implemented this, and it started causing problems. Yeah, uh, I heard a lot of problems on it. It caused a lot of accounts to drop. Yeah. And it's, and it's not even like we're doing anything like... I know the people that do the game videos, the video game videos... Yeah. I know it's been a big issue for them. And it's not like we're even doing anything like that. In fact, one of the videos we got flagged on was the last time we did a Google Hangout and you were on there. Yeah. Um, well, that got flagged? <laughs> in a way, you got flagged only because... What? Only because... Um, you didn't have, like... You, don't, you didn't have a video feed, so it popped up the Google little, like, you know, white blank face... And it sued, and it flagged you for the face. It flagged me for the face because some other bullshit channel, like some ESPN channel, not even Google, also had a Google, uh, had a Hangout on Air. <laughs> and they had the blank face. So it tagged me as infringing them. It's, to- uh, it's totally bogus. Like, yeah. nobody owns that except Google, and Google doesn't give a shit because it's part of their hangout on air. They wouldn't put it on there if it was an issue. It's their system to live stream. It's totally bogus. Um, yeah. So I've been waiting on that to go away because I, I disputed it, of course, and sent a message to that channel and was like, listen, this is this is a bogus flag. And then... Yeah, they need to fix the system. It's broken. Totally. Yeah, they they really do. Like, it's, it's an issue. Like, I understand mm-hmm. they want to take care of copyright infringement and all this, but... That's clearly that's not working because it's flagging people's videos based on other videos using similar elements, and it's like either it's a YouTube public was kind of formed on 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 that you know uploading copyright stuff. What's that? That YouTube started on that like users back in the day used to upload a lot of copyright stuff. Oh yeah, and if they couldn't, I doubt that it would be quite as popular as it is now. 
But that's how shit goes, you know. Something gets so big, uh, gets bought out by a big company like Google. Google. Yeah, and you know that's that's what they that's what they do. That's what they do. Something gets so big, eventually it gets ruined because of something stupid. But gets ruined because of the suits. Yeah, the suits exactly. Exactly. Yeah, the people with the money. And to be fair, you know, people shouldn't necessarily be ripping other everybody off, but like, it just causes a problem for the people that are doing shit legitimate, like us. Like you know me in the group, how I talk about things. Like I don't want to play cover songs that people do. I try to make every make sure everything I do keeps everything legitimate and on the level. Yeah. You know. Yeah. 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 And that's what really irritates me is like I put a lot of effort into making sure everything is legitimate. If I post stuff by you guys, I get permission. And yeah, man. Yeah, so you're actually pretty vigilant on that. <laughs> I try to be, man. I try to be. Yeah, the whole copyright thing. Just to avoid issues. Like I said, we don't have a big, a super huge following. I don't think yeah. anybody's really looking our way. But in, just in case, just you know, in case, you do have a product. Uh huh. Exactly. Yeah. Even though it may not be popular or whatever, but it still is a product. Yeah. So, we got to wrap up the show soon, but before we go, um, what's new with you, man? What's new with you and uh, your projects or anything like that? What have you been up to? Well, man, I've been uh, playing live recently. I just got into that. Uh, still recording the album that should be released eventually. Uh, pretty much that, man. Oh, tell me about the live shows. Um, They've it, been pretty cool, man. Is it, you know, is it with a drowning angel? or? Yeah, it is with a drowning angel, uh, although I am going to change the name now. What? Yeah. Really? What Do you do? You know what you're changing it to yet? Yeah, I think I'm going to go with Avent Lust. Avent Lust. Not, not a rising angel? <laughs> <laughs> that was a good post, by the way. Yeah, you you do know that was an April Fool's joke. Oh yeah, dude, I know. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Uh, yeah, since I've been up quite a while with a drowning angel, and I pretty much did what I wanted to do, I felt like it was time to move on to a new thing. It's I see I'm changing the name, but it's pretty much more like moving on to another project, kind of the same thing. Yeah, the album I'm recording is gonna be labeled as a new name, not a drowning. But yeah, I've been playing the shows. Uh, they've been pretty cool. Like I said, it's been a fun experiment. <laughs> awesome. Hey, are your A Drowning Angel albums still up on Bandcamp? Nope. Yeah, I know. I, I thought so. I thought so. Are they gone? I'm, no, no. I moved them to uh, SoundCloud. Oh, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. The last album I labeled it as, as, as a demo, and the first one is still there. Okay, yeah, I'll have to. Fi- I have some links, I think, on the website. I'll have to fix then. But uh, yeah, but yeah, okay. Uh, what was the okay? What was the name of the new project then? Avent, Avent Lusts. Avent Lust. Avent taken for Avangardi and Lust. Well, from Lust. Uh, I'll be debutting with a new singer, um, as well. Um. I actually released a single back in December with with, uh, with her vocals. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, and it's gonna be more rock driven. Okay. Uh, I'm moving on from away from the industrial dancey thing now that I can actually make guitar songs, driven songs. Oh, interesting. Nice. Yeah. So that's that's pretty much what I've been up to. Damn. But uh, it's been like man playing uh, since I started playing live. I have to sing like, on stage, and it's been harsh to avoid the stage fright, man. Yeah, I bet, man. I bet. <laughs> yeah. How do you, how do you, how do you deal with it? You just, just, I just, go I, out there? I, I get drunk first. So, <laughs> I, can, so, I, so I can give up a better show, then I go to, on stage, but if I don't at least drink or, you know, get my mind out of that state, I'll do awful. Do you think? Do you think eventually you'll be able to just like be more comfortable with it? Yeah, eventually. Since it's, I only played like five shows, six, yeah, six, and sang on four of them, two, three of them. Uh, 
I kind of sounded, you know that Marlon Manson sucks these days singing live? Mm-hmm. That's how pretty much I sound it. <laughs> okay, okay. I'm like, I'm not going to touch a mic again. I'll just get the new singer to sing, and I'll just play, you know. There you go. Well, all right then, man. I guess that'll be it. Yeah. I guess that'll be it for the episode. So, thank you everybody for listening to another EMG Radio. I feel good about this episode. I think this is a good one. Yeah. And thank you, Brian, for for being on here again. We'll have to have you on again soon. I always enjoy talking to you on here. Yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> All right. All right. That's it. Goodbye. I guess I don't say go make. I don't say go make some fucking music anymore. I, what? My my sign off. I don't I don't do the sign off anymore. I think I need a new one. Put some music on, man. There you go. Yeah. Put some music on. Go put some music on. Yeah. Thank you for listening to EMG Radio. EMG Radio is an electronic media collective production for the Electronic Musicians Group. It is a license of experience, comments, and attribution, not commercial, no derivatives, free for no unported license. All music contained within the EMG Radio podcast is property of the respective owner, subject to the respective copyrights and their licensing, and used here with permission. For more EMG Radio, visit EMGRadio.com and check out more Electronic Musicians Group. Go to Facebook.com slash Electronic Musicians Group or hit us up on Twitter at Twitter.com slash EMG I really just kind of shoehorned that shit in there, but <laughs> but we've been going a while. It's almost eight, and I'm like, shit, we only got through one song. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs>